Welcome to the Joy of Horror Podcast, episode 28. If you're new around these here parts, this is a horror topic podcast that covers everything from urban legends to creatures to haunted locations. I'm your local gourd gal, Joy, and thank you for being here. Today we're going to Perry for our topic of the week. A country filled to the brim with fascinating history, architecture, and food. But I'm not gonna lie, the main reason I want to go is to check out those catacombs. Like, please give me all the bones. <laughs> not, not literally, I would never grave rob, but I love bones a lot and accept them as the highest honor gifts. But I also find them fascinating to look at, so the catacombs would be 100% my jam. Anyway, this week we'll be discussing someone known as the Red Man of Tuileries Palace. Before we begin, I'm just going to put it out there that like many languages, I stumble with French. Like, really, really hard. So please forgive me if I pronounce something horribly wrong. I promise I am trying my best. Okay, with that being said, let's dig on in. So, usually when I kick things off, I give a rundown of the history of the location itself. But this alleged red man, also sometimes called the Red Spectre, Le Homme Rouge, or the Demon of Tuileries, kind of starts at the beginning along with the palace itself. Also, this story is far more about the Spectre and not the building, though I will of course be giving some history because that's just who I am. We begin in 1564. The palace began construction under Catherine de Medici after her husband, King Henry II, passed away in 1559 after succumbing to his wounds from jousting. Which I just learned while writing these notes that these wounds were caused by a huge splinter that stabbed him in the eye. Like, the frick. The official cause of death was sepsis. I mean, he was wearing the colors of his mistress, so I'm not going to say he deserved it, mostly because I didn't do a dive into his past, but maybe that wasn't the best choice and life was trying to smack him with karma. Okay, I'm getting off topic. So, the palace is being constructed and Queen Catherine hired Philibert de Lung as chief architect for the project. Originally, the building was mostly made up of long, narrow buildings, but was later built upon by King Henry IV. During his reign, he added onto the original building and elongated it towards the south, which ended up reaching all the way to the Louvre Palace. But let's not jump ahead of the game, though if you get a chance to look up drawings or photos of the palace, do so. It looked stunning, and to me, very intimidating. But let's get back to our man of the hour. He has two stories of how he came to be, and I'm going to tell you my favorite first. His supposed origin begins not too long before or after the palace's construction began. It was said that the Red Man was originally known as Jean Le Quier, or Jean the Skinner for all the ladies. Or fellas. I don't know his preference. Though I'm going to put it out there that I couldn't find a pronunciation of his last name. So that was a complete swing in the dark. Anyway, Arpel Jean was said to originally be a butcher in a shop on the location the palace was being built. And our gal Catherine admired his handiwork and was like, you want to do some killing for me? And probably seeing a bit more coin in his future was all like, of course, yeah, no problem. So Jean became Catherine's personal spy and assassin for any political foes she needed out of the way. And it's also said that some of these killings were for occult purposes. 
Their neutrality continued for some time, but eventually it's said that Catherine wanted to kill him off. Some versions say he simply wanted to dip and live out the rest of his life, basically retired and blending into the background of history, while others say it was because Catherine was getting really, really paranoid about how many secrets Jean knew after working with her for so long. Branching off of this version, it's said that she wasn't paranoid, but Jean was actually trying to blackmail her due to all the information he knew, and she was like, nah, son, and wanted him taken out. Regardless of how we get here, she hires a knight named Neuville, or someone from Neuville, to kill Jean. The knight waits until nightfall, when the assassin would be most vulnerable, on his way to sleep, unarmed. He was staying in the garden in what was essentially a shack with everyone else being within the palace's walls. Neuville was said to quickly slip into the small building and Jean, unprepared, just waking up from his slumber, was overpowered and stabbed with the knight's sword. Our boy was all hell no and was claimed to tell the knight, quote, Be cursed, you and your masters. I'll be back, unquote. So essentially, the Terminator franchise owes this guy some royalties. Not thinking too much on Jean's words, the knight slit his throat as a double tap and waited until the man's eyes glossed over and he was certain he had passed on. After this, Neuville went into the palace to inform his queen the deed had been done. While going down a dark hallway, he encountered the man he had just killed, drenched in blood and looking PO'd. Shocked but ever the professional, the knight stabbed at the man, but his sword just kind of went through thin air. The man had disappeared, which prompted Neuville to rush back to the garden to verify that Jean was dead. And maybe he had just hallucinated the whole thing. Lo and behold, there was no body. Only the blood of the murder scene remained. Completely freaked out, the knight rushed to the queen's chambers to inform her that he has sure as heck killed Jean, but there is also now a curse placed on all of them. She dismissed his concerns, probably thinking him mad or worked up over the murder. But historically, Catherine never did live at the palace itself. It was said that the only time she really used the building was for events and things of that nature. The main reasons I came across was this story that I'm telling you, and allegedly that she was told by an astrologer that she would perish near Saint-Germain, which the palace was in the same area of the Saint-Germain Auxinois church. Being cautious, she ended up staying at the Hotel de Swalson, which was basically a townhouse nearby. Adding the astrologer to the story itself, it said that he had a vision of a man in red, or made of red mist, telling him that the curse was real and that the curse will continue until the palace went down in flames. She was all, nope, and moved into her townhouse for basically the rest of her days. But she was usually considered the first, or second after the night, to see this red specter. Which, speaking of the knight, in most tellings I located, he wasn't really mentioned after telling the queen what he saw. But in others, he ended up being found dead in his bed or in an alley, usually with his throat slit or just dead on the ground with a look of pure fear on his face. Which, whew, what a tale, right? Yeah, I know, that's usually where the legend ends. Not really much of a climax, I know. Wanna know the second one? It's overall simple in comparison. It's said that during construction, or even very shortly after construction had been completed, Catherine witnessed an apparition draped in red, or a demon of sorts. In some descriptions, he's not usually described as a man at all, but more of a small gnome-like figure who's either all red or dressed from head to toe in red. 
In this story, he's the one that warned her of dying near Saint-Germain, and that's why she left the palace, never fully living there, only to later find out that the friar giving her her last rites was named Laurent de Saint-Germain, allegedly. We're now going to go down the line of the main sightings of this being. The next one being during the coronation of Queen Marie de Medici on May 13th of 1610. He was seen by her husband, King Henry IV. It was only the next day that the king himself was assassinated. Next, we move on to Cardinal Mazarin, a French diplomat that was the chief minister to the kings of France during his time. It's said that he or those close to him witnessed the Red Man the day before his death in 1661. After him, we have King Louis XIV, where it's said that the specter was seen the same day the king passed away from gangrene on September 1st of 1715. Though I did read that he was living in Versailles at the time, so maybe now and again our demon fellow likes to travel. Which, I used to have a cat named Versailles, and that's the only reason I actually didn't have to look up that name to pronounce it. He was such a good cat, so fluffy and very, very sweet. But moving on to King Louis XVI, it's said that some chambermaids cleaning up his room saw the red man or creature in the king's bed, wearing a cap known as the Cap of Liberty. While this encounter was taking place, it's said that King Louis was not having much luck getting away from people trying to take his head during the French Revolution. Soon after, it's said that his wife, Marie Antoinette, saw the being down a corridor on August 9th of 1792. This was only one day before Queen Marie was taken prisoner. Though in another telling, it said that Marie's ladies were sitting and chilling when they saw a small man dressed from head to toe in scarlet. They described the man's eyes as being unearthly, and they quickly rushed off to tell their queen what they had witnessed. Last bit for King Louis and his wife, it said that some guards at the prison they were being held claimed to have seen a devilish creature sometime before their execution in 1793. Which an actual random fun fact about myself is that Marie Antoinette, the movie, is one of my favorite movies outside of horror. Not 100% sure why. Maybe it was my obsession with Lolita fashion for a time, all the bright colors, or it's generally just a good movie. As I said, I'm not sure, but there's a random fun fact about myself for all of y'all. Next, we stay in 1793, where we join a guard standing over the corpse of Jean-Paul Marat, a physician during the French Revolution, who had been stabbed in his chest as he took a bath. It is claimed that the guard saw the red man nearby before it dissipated. We now come on to the part of my research I had the most fun with, mostly due to it being a surprise. So, want to know one of the last supposed people who saw the demon of Tuileries? Napoleon Bonaparte. Yes, the French military leader himself. I mostly learned that he was a very superstitious man, but we're not going to dive into all that. We're going to dive into his sightings and relationship, yes, relationship, with what he called the Little Red Man of Destiny. So, Napoleon was first said to see the man for the first time in 1798 in Egypt, where the specter informed him that he had 10 years of victory and triumph to enjoy, but only mentioned they'll be on European battlefields. Before what? It's usually not said, but it is implied that he will die. Don't go making deals with supernatural creatures, kids. The Red Man went on to predict that the French fleet would not obey the orders he gave them, and that he would fail his current Egypt campaign both of which ended up true. 
Napoleon is said to have described a specter as having a skull-like face while being wrapped in a red cape and donning a red cap of liberty. For dramatic effect, he was apparently in the mist of fog during the entire visit. He informed Napoleon that he had advised many before him and has now chosen to advise himself, and even admitted to being by Napoleon's side since he was a child. Which, creepy. And followed up by saying, quote, I know you better than you know yourself, unquote. Which again, creepy. Napoleon's next visit happened in 1809, sometimes said to be 1807, while he was in his headquarters in Vienna, Austria. The ten years was up, and the demon of sorts had come to collect. The specter formed in the man's room at midnight, to which Napoleon quickly requested just five more years. The red man agreed, but on the condition that he would not start a campaign against Russia. Napoleon was all, sure, bud, but then, of course, went back on his promise and sure as heck tried anyway. Which didn't end well, I'm sure you remember. Now, over the years, it's said that any time Napoleon would stay at the palace, he would get frequent visits while there. Not just these main two and the last one I'm going to discuss. It's said that many who attended to the palace would either witness the red man themselves or overhear him and Napoleon talking behind closed doors. But it said the last time that the red man was witnessed by Napoleon was on January 1st of 1814. The red man himself, or a man dressed in all red, is said to have appeared at the door requesting to see Napoleon, insisting it was very, very urgent. Napoleon had put out strict instructions that he was not to be disturbed, but he quickly made an exception for this mysterious man. It's claimed that the red man was overheard telling Napoleon that this was his third time seeing him, and he was here to warn him that he only had three more months to either make peace or conquer the Allies. Napoleon proceeded to beg the entity for more time, saying that it was impossible to do such a feat in only three months, but was promptly refused before the red man apparently dashed from the room through some corridors and disappeared before descending the grand staircase. Three months later, Napoleon was pushed to abdicate, exiled to the island of St. Helena, and on May 5th of 1821, he passed away from what is believed to be stomach cancer. Napoleon wasn't the last to see the Red Man, though some sources claim he was. It's said that King Louis XVIII witnessed the Red Man shortly before he passed away, in 1824, Jumping ahead quite a bit to 1870, it's said that Empress Eugenia was fleeing the palace after her husband, King Napoleon III, was overthrown. It's said that once she made it to the Louvre, she got lost, and during her fright, she noticed an emaciated figure, red in color or covered in red, gesturing towards an exit. The Empress ended up escaping with the help of her dentist, apparently from America, named Dr. Thomas Evans, and she was able to make it to England. Sometime in 1871, a journalist related an encounter a concierge from the Louvre had with the Red Man. The article read, quote, While making his accustomed round one night, lantern in hand, through the silent galleries, he observed in the Galerie de Plion a human form standing against a window, with crossed arms and a drooping head, in an attitude of profound affliction. Believing he had surprised a robber, the concierge made towards the intruder, who hereupon disappeared in the most mysterious fashion. He tried to persuade himself that his senses had deceived him. While on reaching the Grand Gallery, he saw the same figure again, in the same melancholy posture. On being challenged, the form vanished. 
The official then remembered the legend of Om Rouge and lost no time. Presently, he returned with some of his comrades, to whom he had related what he had seen. But this time, the search for the goblin was fruitless, and was cut short by another kind of apparition, a lurid glare in the sky, unquote. Now, over the years, there have been a few different descriptions of the man. All from blood-covered apparition of a murdered man, to a specter of a man dressed in all red clothes, to a small, red-skinned-like demon figure, and more. Some features that tend to come and go in tellings is how he has red skin, a tail, hooves, a hunched back, and even only having one eye. Regardless of how he's seen, he scared the occupants of the palace until it burned down in May of 1871. It's said that while the building was burning, a bloody specter was seen in one of the windows, reaching his hands out before the room collapsed. It's said that this was the last time the specter was seen, though some claim to still see or experience his presence on the grounds, mostly in the Louvre. Before we hop into the pop culture section, I did want to mention one more experience that happened in 1815. It seems that two women witnessed the red man come down their chimney as they stayed in one of the Louvre apartments. They were dining when the being stole a leg of mutton before going back up the chimney for his escape. Freaking out, the ladies approached the king, King Louis XVIII, and requested that an investigation take place. You may be thinking, this sounds a bit out of place for our Scarlet Spectre. (laughs) And you'd be right. In the end, it was discovered that some art students had created a hole in the wall to be able to come down the chimney and do their little prank. I have no clue if they were fully punished, but this was so funny to me I had to include it. Now, whether you believe all these occurrences are true, or if you believe they were just made up years or even centuries after the fact, let me just give you fair warning. If you ever find yourself in the Louvre or in the Tuileries Garden, be sure to keep your eyes peeled for a man with bright red skin or even clothed fully in crimson, because if you see him, who knows what grim fate might be soon to cross your path. Okay, it's pop culture section time, and we're starting in books. The palace has a few books on it and its history, such as The Tuileries Palace, The History and Legacy of France's Famous Royal Palace by Charles River Editors, and in collection books such as The History and Legacy of Versailles, The Louvre, and The Tuileries, also by Charles River Editors. Surprisingly, our pal Jean the Skinner appeared as his ghostly counterpart in the fifth comic of Ghostbusters International. But that is it for book-related items. So, in games, it shouldn't be a surprise to me, but this palace made an appearance in the game Assassin's Creed Unity. Moving on to TV, I couldn't really find anything on the palace itself, being a small part in things like documentaries from the History Channel. But in movies, I was able to find it as a major piece in the film La Marseillaise from 1938. I'm sorry to say that is where the section ends. But no fear, it's now time for the horror movie recommendation of the week. I'm going to admit ahead of time that the reason I chose this movie is because it just felt right. And that there is a red man in it that's a demon. So, you know, it justifies my decision. The movie of the week is Ermentari, The Blacksmith and the Devil from 2017. The movie, hailing from Spain, is about a blacksmith living on the outskirts of society. He's avoided by the people of the town due to the rumor that he murdered his own wife. We soon discover the blacksmith is currently holding a demon captive, torturing it as he pleases. 
An orphan from the town finds her way into the blacksmith's forge and stumbles upon the demon, of course, letting it out. I have to admit that even though this isn't my usual kind of horror movie, it held my interest from start to finish, and I'm kind of surprised that it isn't talked about more. If you give this one a shot, I truly hope you enjoy. Okay, that's it for this week, my Gordettes. If you liked today's episode, let me know. I love hearing from y'all. You can find me on Instagram, Twitter, or even Facebook at TJOHpodcast. And of course, feel free to give me a follow for episode release reminders and sometimes other assortments of stuff. And if you'd be ever so kind, I would truly appreciate a rating and review on iTunes, Podchaser, or even my Facebook page. And I promise not to stop you if you leave one on all three if you're really feeling it. But with that said, keep your head up. Fight through those hard times. Remember, you have survived all your worst days, and today will be no different because you are strong, you are beautiful, and you are a wonderful person that will come to know with time that they deserve so much more than the hand they were dealt. With all of my love, I hope you have a spooky night.